Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today, we have Julia McGuire on the Urban Farm Podcast to talk about her experience in beekeeping. Julia has been keeping bees in her backyard since 2008 and expanded to keeping bees in other people's yards in 2013. How cool is that? She coordinates her local bee club and currently works for the Iowa Honey Producers Association as an agency relations specialist and belongs to its District 4 education team. Welcome to the show today, Julia. Thank you very much, Greg, for having me. And I'm, I'm very pleased to be part of this series. Well, and thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. So I shared a little bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more in depth on the path that you took to get where you're at now? I sure can. My path started with my daughter. She won a youth scholarship from the Iowa State Honey Producers back in 2008. Wow. And they gave her a beginning beekeeping class for six weeks at the community college. Then she received some woodenware and a mentor who lived nearby. Mm-hmm. And then when the time came, she received a package of bees. And she had a decent, very satisfying harvest um, every year that she kept the bees. And by the time 2011 came around, she was very, very busy as a high school upperclassman. So I inherited the bees. Oh, wow. And my first year was spent talking with her and her mentor as my resources. Uh-huh. By the fall of that year, it was really clear to me that I needed more support. <laughs> so uh-huh. I called my local bee club. And the man who was the contact for the club said that the group had been inactive for a few years because he was taking care of his wife, who was in poor health. He offered to send me email and phone numbers for everyone who attended the meetings in that last year that they were meeting. So I took that and I've now grown the club um, to include a very active Facebook page that's got a lot of daily activities and I coordinate monthly meetings for it. We meet all year round and because of the, the club members, all their support, uh-huh. um, I've, I've definitely been able to increase my own apiary, having two or three hives in my backyard. Like you said, I, now I have you know, other people's yards. I've had up to seven hives and you know I've also been able to go out 
and, and find you know, beekeeping buddies. We'll go out, we might catch some swarms together, or uh -huh. we might cut out established colonies from walls or corn cribs or roofs of other houses um, in the area. So it's, it's definitely been a very fun path. It's very enjoyable. Wow. So hold on here. Time out. 2008, this whole thing started for your family. Yes. That's like seven years ago. I know. It's crazy. Wow. And you didn't even jump in until 2011. And, and all of a sudden, so the Iowa Honey Producers Association was this club that basically got donated to you, right? Yeah. So they give out, I don't know how many youth scholarships they give out, but it's um, a fair amount. Uh -huh. I think it just depends, you know, they can't really control the applicant pool, right. but anyone who's under the age of 18, I think it's between ages 12 and, and 18, mm -hmm. can apply for this scholarship. It's a yearly award and, you know, they wow. just got to make sure their application's filled out and they've got a good, you know, recommendation letter. And who's that from? The Iowa Honey Producers Honey Association. Producers. Wow. Um, they have funds and they also have the local bee clubs. Uh, uh -huh. sponsor, uh, maybe a student from their area. Wow. That brings uh, 4-H to a whole new level, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I think that's that's another thing. I, I think depending on where you live, uh -huh. you know, the situation, you know, might be you know, with a nature center as, as far as, you know, where you learn about bees, you know, might be there's a professional level commercial beekeeper, uh -huh. you know, in your area. I think it just goes back to what's available or the resources where you live. Right. Well, cool. So I got to know something. What's the big deal about bees? They're just really interesting. Well, that they are. They're really interesting. And I, I think, especially for you know, the urban farm audience, if you're looking at fruits or any kind of squash, um, if you have native plantings, you're really going to want to have a strong pollinator presence yes. in order to have a good harvest yep. or, you know, in order to see, you know, good seed production in your, you know, your prairie or whatever your, your native plantings might be. Yeah. So really everything, everything that we eat is ultimately pollinated. Correct. Yeah. Correct. You know, and if you look at, you know, animals, well, what do animals eat? Right. So if the, you know, they, they eat soybeans, they're dependent on pollinators. Exactly. All right, so beekeeping, could you tell us about, you know, raising bees and collecting honey? And I mean, what's that whole process look like? Yep, so that's a very common question. It is a year-long process. Uh -huh. You definitely have jobs to do every month of the year. Uh, I know a lot of people think that bees hibernate, which is, is sort of true. Uh -huh. But if you look at the calendar year and you start off in January, that's usually when you're ordering any equipment or mm -hmm. repairing equipment if you already have it. And then if your bees live, you're going to have some spring maintenance to do. If you don't have bees living through the winter or if you're brand new, you will need to order bees. And you can get packaged bees, you know, locally or, you know, from California or, you know, Georgia. There's a lot of different suppliers. Right. Then you'll just start your colony, you know, whenever. If you're getting packages, it's going to depend on where you live. It'll be early spring. Mm-hmm. And you need to inspect them, you know, once every 10 days or so. When you say inspect them, you... I'm going to crack open the top uh -huh. of my beehive, take right. the lid off, look inside of it, check for the overall health, make sure yeah. there's a queen in there. Oh, yes. Is she You're easy gonna... to find in the hive? You know, if you can't find her, you can usually find evidence that she's there. Uh -huh. Like you'll see eggs or very young larvae. Oh, right. So you need to make sure that she's there. Mm-hmm. 
So you can monitor things like overpopulation, underpopulation, disease, you know, parasites, anything crazy that's going on. Sometimes it's fun. This year I, I got to really pay attention to the colors of the pollen that the bees were bringing in. Oh, so sometimes that's kind of fun. You can right. see, oh, well, I live in a very urban neighborhood uh -huh. and people have a lot of bulbs planted. So sometimes you see these funky colors like blue or pink, and that's really fun to watch. Wow. Um, but anyway, so you're going to do that really until it's time for you to harvest. Mm -hmm. So you're going to harvest. Now you're har we're harvesting the honey up. at this point, right? You're going to be harvesting honey. Yeah, perfect. And then, you know, whatever your winter preparations are, depending uh -huh. on where you live, you know, you might need to insulate your hives. You might need to feed your bees or, you know, like I said, treat or whatever your management needs to be for overpopulation. Mm -hmm. And then if you've got pretty cold winter you're still gonna need to check those bees make sure they have enough food even if there's snow outside oh yeah it, any anything over 39 or so they're gonna go out at least once a month to take a cleansing flight oh right uh -huh. so if you've ever seen yellow spots all over the ground in front of your beehive that was the bees in the bath <laughs> yep they oh, were cleansing they've got to do that at least yeah, once a month cool. um and then the cycle kind of starts over yeah when spring comes again Great. So it sounds like there's a lot of things to do, but it also sounds like it's pretty straightforward. Can you speak to that? Easy, straightforward? I would say it's easy in mm -hmm. that you really don't need a lot of gadgets. Mm -hmm. I know any hobby you have, you can have any level of money spent and oh, yes. uh -huh. any various amounts of tools and gadgets, but really you don't need a lot. Great. I don't know if there's much more to say about that. All right, All right. fantastic. So any- You just gotta listen to the bees. I think that's the main thing, <laughs> is that you've gotta take the bees lead. They, they don't always read the same book that you read, yeah, so. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So <laughs> if I was interested, say I'm interested in, you know, in starting to look to see what I can do to keep bees, you know, what are my first three steps? The first three steps, if you wanna keep bees, I would say is get with a local bee club or beekeeping class. And the reason I say local is because the pests and weather mm -hmm. will determine the kind of care you give. Oh, yeah. So if you're online and you're listening to somebody in Colorado, but you live up in Maine, right. you know, maybe that's not going to work out so well. The other thing I would say is find a mentor, mm -hmm. a local mentor or someone who right. used to live if they're not currently living where you are. And the other thing is you know, just to have fun. Oh, oh, these are go. just fascinating always have fun absolutely absolutely all right cool i know that in arizona we have a or in phoenix we have a beekeepers club and i've uh, been to their meetings before once or twice and um, great great mostly guys but there's some gals that do it and uh, you know they're always willing to share they're always willing to share yeah they're so. a very generous community i don't know that i've experienced the the mostly guys i think where i am at uh -huh. It's pretty well 50-50 here. Cool. Now that's great news that we're getting ladies involved with this. So you got this product now. So we're, we've done bees. We've got this product, beeswax and honey. So what do you do with it? What do we do with it? Well, there's two additional products oh. as well. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have your wax. You're going to have your honey. You're going to have propolis. And you're also going to have pollen. So I think depending on what you want to do with your hive, uh -huh. the reason that you have your beehive is going to tell you what products you have. Uh -huh. So if you have a hive for pollinating or if you have hives just because you're rearing queens or you have hives um, you know, for honey, you're going to manage them all differently. Right. So most people are going to have honey because bees make a surplus. Oh, nice. That's something, you know, you can use yourself mm -hmm. or 
you want to sell it, you know, there's different ways to go about doing that. Right. Um, one thing you mentioned was wax. And right. so I want to say that bees typically don't make excess wax. Uh, it's a valuable resource that takes a lot of energy for the bees to make. Got it. In fact, it's it's so labor intensive that the first year you keep bees, they're going to spend so much time making wax that you might not be able to harvest your first season. Oh, wow. It just depends on the weather, but it's it's a very labor intensive thing for them to make. So that's not something you necessarily want to be harvesting then. Beeswax. I, I would not because it's going to decrease honey production oh, if you take their wax. Uh-huh. Now, you might have some wax left from you know cutting off the wax cappings when you um, harvest your honey. And you might have wax if you catch trees that fall that have hives inside right. or if you cut out of you know a wall. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of... Mm-hmm. You know, bees that settled into, you know, a corn crib, yeah. you know, that might be a situation where you have wax. So you do have wax. You can do lots of things with it. A lot of people make cosmetic products. It's very easy to make a solar melter. All right. Cheap. I yeah. just kind of made my own with the things I found around my house, but uh-huh. I know you can, like I said, it's a hobby. You can spend any amount of money you want buying a fancy <laughs> solar wax melter. You know, it's there up you to you. There you go. Um, so the two other products would be I, I was going to say you mentioned propolis. What is that? The bees use propolis as a glue to seal up any cracks or holes in their hive. Uh-huh. And resins and saps and you know different things that the bees find out wherever they live will come back and um, turn into this product. And a lot of people like to make a tincture of propolis with alcohol mm. and they use it, you know, for toothaches or, you know, different problems that they might have. Oh, um, it's been fairly popular where I live with Eastern Europeans. Oh, interesting. Yeah, perfect. Now, pollen would be the last mm-hmm. product and there are special pollen traps that you can install onto the entrance of your hive when there's a really good honey flow going on, if the weather's perfect and you've got way more pollen coming in than your hive is going to use, you know, you can put the trap on. It's like little brushes that Uh as bees come in with the pollen on their legs, the the brushes kind of, I guess they brush that pollen off. Right. And the pollen then falls off the legs and into this little collection dish. And Uh you can put that out maybe once a week. I know you can't have it on every day. Right. I think it's once a week. I have one, but I've never used it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a lot of people take pollen orally as a way to combat um, allergies or other sicknesses. So, but that pollen is what ultimately makes the honey, correct? Um, The pollen is used to feed the baby bees. Ah, all right. So if they have healthy plants giving nutritious pollen, Uh you're going to have strong, robust babies that will turn into very healthy adults. And those adults will collect nectar. And then the nectar turns into honey. Fantastic. So I'm going to shift in a moment, but before we do that, are there any other, anything else you want to share specifically about beekeeping and uh, any considerations? Considerations for people keeping bees, I would say just do it. I was very surprised. Um, a lot of people are focused, especially the last year and a half on pollinator habitat. I helped establish a hive at a community garden, very, very urban, lots of concrete. Right. And it's extremely strong. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where they're getting their forage. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you can kind of look at that pollen um, to guess, you know, what's in season and right. you know, what's blooming. But, you know, I, 
for me to judge that as, you know, beforehand thinking, I don't know, we'll try this. We just went ahead and did it and it, yeah. everything worked out really well. So if you think, oh, I, I, you know, I live in the concrete jungle, it's not a good idea. The bees are going to find what they want. Just go ahead and do it. If, if it's interesting to you <laughs> and it's fun, you know, I, I'd say go for it. Perfect. So um, I have one other question in this arena before we actually travel from here, and that is uh, municipalities and ordinances on bees. And where where does somebody go to find out about that for that er for their area? Oh, my gosh. That is the most common question that I get. Uh -huh. It's something that you would probably need to call City Hall okay. and ask. Now, there are definitely potential negative consequences in doing that, depending on where you live. So to that end, that the project that I'm currently working on mm -hmm. with the state honey producers um, kind of takes that burden away from you actually calling City Hall. Right. So, uh, it, you know, like I said, it's something if you want to call, you can. Um, Otherwise, but I think to me, it's more about being a really good neighbor. Yeah. If all of your neighbors are on board with it um, and you know you're pretty confident no one's going to call a nuisance complaint on you. Uh-huh. I think you're pretty safe because Perfect. no one's going to notice. They're quieter than chickens and dogs. You yeah. know, they, they come in and roost every night on their own. <laughs> they find their own food. There is a slight concern when you've got swimming pools next uh -huh. to you. Oh, yes. They really like that antifreeze when you blow out your pipes in the spring. Antifreeze but from? When you overwinter your swimming pool. Oh, got it. You put antifreeze in the pipes. Got so it. when you blow that out, when you, got it. you know, yeah, get we ready don't, for summer. We don't do that here in the desert, but... I can get why they would in the Kohler arena. Yeah. So I always like to look to see any challenges or failures that you might have experienced along the way that kind of, um, you know, kind of put up a block and that you got past. So do you have one of those that you can share with us and what you learned from it? Well, I guess I would have two stories. You know, the first would be you know, my strawberry crop. Uh -huh. You know, I, I tried to have strawberries for a couple of years really didn't have very good luck at all uh -huh. but then we got bees didn't even think about the strawberries they just come up on their own every year and you know after two years of pitiful harvest you know i was getting a quart of strawberries every other day wow did i do anything different no <laughs> you got bees <laughs> yeah so pretty easy way to increase your harvest uh-huh so from that i learned when people talk about you know, cucumbers and pollination it's true you really do need a strong pollinator presence. Yeah. I guess the other story I have is more about, well, I guess I'll put it this way. Have you ever had a chore that you didn't do? You were avoiding it just because you didn't like it? Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I definitely had that this year. I had a very weak hive, and I just hated the thought of going over to inspect it because I just didn't want to deal with it. Right. And by the time I checked on it, um, the hive was so weak that wax moths had come in oh. and wax moths will lay eggs in the wax comb mm -hmm. and then the larvae eat the comb and they eat the honey, they eat the pollen. And as the larvae mature, they leave silk trails all across the comb and then they spin a cocoon. And then it, I mean, it's just, it's so messy. Mess. Yeah. It, it's very messy because, and a bees, bees in a weak hive cannot defend themselves. So in the end I, I lost that hive. Mm-hmm. And it had been very strong coming out of winter. Wow. So what I learned was that I just need to trust my gut. I knew something was wrong. I needed to check those hives. Yeah. I, I had been trying to, you know, get the bees to respond to all my different management 
um, treatments. You know, I knew they had a, a weak queen. I tried to give them, you know, different opportunities to make their own queen. I just didn't want to buy a new queen. Uh-huh. So I just ignored the hive for a few weeks. And so during that time, you know, they degenerated into, you know, defenseless state and they got ruined by intruders. So and game over. Got it. Yeah. Well, that's a, you know, that's a really valuable story. It's, and, and that can be used so many places in our garden. It's like, yeah, don't ignore it's, you know, it's nature, but you know, we have certain processes that we put in place in our yards and farms and, you know, we need to pay attention to those. So, yeah. So this whole notion of urban farming, do you consider yourself an urban farmer? Let's go there. Yes, I do. And so what does urban farming mean to you and what does it bring to you? Yeah, urban farming to me means that I've got a convenient source of local food. Ah, okay. So knowing what inputs have gone toward that crop, uh-huh. just how everything's so intertwined is Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's just kind of a lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a very good, rich lifestyle. I mean, I, I homeschooled my four kids through all of this, and mm-hmm. it's it's just, it's a really good lifestyle. Nice. Nice. And what does it bring to you? Like, uh, Definitely brings you satisfaction uh-huh. and, uh, you know, a feeling of security, knowing that if I need something, if I need X, Y, or Z, you know, I can just walk outside and go get it. And like I said, I, I know I was safely raised. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's part of the reason I do it is, you know, I go, I can go out in the yard and get an entire meal. It's a good lifestyle. Yeah. So here's a deep question. What drives you? It's like, what's your big why about all this? I just really think bees are fascinating. You know, once you stick your head into a box of bees, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to not want to learn more. Yeah. I think most beekeepers would, would answer the same way. Yeah. Perfect. So what uh, projects are you currently, project or project are you currently working on that you'd like to share about? So I can tell you about two projects. Please. Um, We mentioned um, the Iowa Honey Producers Association. So my latest thing is a website that has approximately 100 Iowa cities and their bee laws. Um, It's a searchable website. Wow. Um, It's going to go live January 1st. So you don't have to have an X on your back, you know, by calling City Hall and giving an anonymous name. And uh-huh. yeah, my name's Joe Schmo, and I'm wondering if my neighbor kept bees, would that be legal? You don't have to do that because um, it's, you know, websites are anonymous. I went ahead and I did the work for you. I don't live in that town, so <laughs> perfect. I'm pretty safe. We're pretty excited. We we don't think uh, another state has ever done this before, uh-huh. so it, it's pretty exciting for us. Um, then the other project is, um, our district for education team and we go out and talk to, um, youth and adults uh, about, you know, what we, we've got several different topics that we, we speak on, but a lot of it's just a year in the life of a beekeeper mm-hmm. or pollination in, in, in your, in community gardens. Yeah. So. I am all about education. I run Urban Farm U, and I've been teaching people yeah. about urban farming for many decades. And um, I'm wondering, and I'm a, and a, I'm an avid reader. Is there any specific books that have inspired you? Maybe one specific about bees, or not? I would say for bees, it would be a book. It was written by Keith Delaplane. Um, it's called First Lessons in Beekeeping. 
This is the book that all of the beginning beekeeping classes in Iowa use. Mm -hmm. um, our state apiarist, you know, I don't know if all states have an apiarist. Our state apiarist has a syllabus and wow. and we follow this book. It, it's a very good basic book that can be used, I feel, anywhere in the nation. Another one would be ABC's XYZ's. And there's, as long as you get the latest edition, uh -huh. Um, that's also a very useful book. Again, and about beekeeping? Edition. Yep, it's about beekeeping. Perfect. And um, definitely get the latest edition because, you know, if you get earlier editions, they won't address small hive beetles or varroa mm -hmm. mites or you know, the different, Got you know, it. infections we have now. Perfect. Perfect. And so do you have one final piece of advice for our listeners? I think you will never have enough information to feel like you're prepared. <laughs> So you should just do it anyway uh -huh. and find a mentor. Yeah, perfect. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing your experience. Um, what is the best way, if somebody, want, one of our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Probably the best way to get a hold of me would be to use the contact form on my club website. Okay. And that website is DesMoinesBackyardBeekeepers.org. Perfect. I know it's very long. That's but... fine. And we'll have it we'll have it on the show notes page. So and thank you so much. It's been a privilege to learn about beekeeping from what sounds like an upcoming expert. So thank you very much, Julia. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.